The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are ready to go. John Scholes here, Employment Law Show. We are all set. Andrew Goldberg is your guy, courtesy Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Andrew will be uh, filling your head with excellent things you can learn about employment law, termination of employment, setting the record straight. We'll get to that. Possibly some email in just a little bit. You want to send one along. In the meantime, here's how you do it. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and the phone number. I'll give you the phone number to reach Andrew after the show, right, to reach out at the firm. You want to discuss a matter privately. That number would be 1-855-821-5900. But here and now, lines are open. We start off with a uh, case of the day. Mr. Goldberg, what's going on, pal? What do you got? Hey, John. So uh, another week behind us since I was last on and... Another week of uh, big-time layoffs in the tech world. Um, and for our listeners out there who, who might, or must have heard by now, but you know, news has come out that Amazon now has uh, enacted a huge layoff of 10,000 jobs. Um, you know, so that's following layoffs of Meta and Twitter and a bunch of other companies that we've been discussing over the previous few weeks. And you know, there's individuals across the organizational functions of Amazon who are going to be impacted by this layoff across you know, North America, and it's not entirely clear how much of that is going to be affected by, you know, in the Canadian workforce, and that remains to be seen. But ostensibly with 10,000 jobs cut, uh, we'd have to imagine that will have some impact in Canada. Mm-hmm. So for those listeners out there who, you know, work for Amazon or, you know, work for another company that's, you know, in the process of laying off employees, um, you know, this is what we do. We, we help these individuals try to, ensure that they get the best severance entitlements possible and, and make out uh, in a situation where they can, you know, fend for themselves until they get reemployment. And uh, what do you think is, what do you think is going through people's, people's minds right now with that sort of thing at Amazon or what's happened with Twitter? I mean, it's, it's always a good time to remind people. We mentioned this a short time ago that, you know, you may be working for an American company, but on Canadian soil, even if it's remotely, and uh, people may not realize that if they get let go, it's like, oh, you work for Amazon's American company. Sorry, you don't get any severance. That is not true. They still have to uh, go by Canadian employment laws, right? That's hundred percent correct. And, you know, in years past, we, we'd more likely see a situation where an American company would still have, a, you know, an Ontario office or a Canadian office. But especially since the pandemic started, you know, a lot of these their, uh, work environments out of Ontario, are, they're just virtual. There is no uh, Canadian office necessarily. And But that, as you said, doesn't necessarily matter. As long as you're working, if you're working from home and that home is in Canada, um, you're going to be bound by the laws of the province that you're in, regardless of the fact that you're working for an American company. Yeah, Amazon's a big one. Ten thousand jobs, flurry of tech layoffs. It's really weird. I mean, I, you know, you're an employment lawyer, not a you know, we're, we're not business people, but you know, Meta, Twitter, Microsoft, Shopify. It's it's what is going on? Why all these layoffs? I mean, it just seems to be this massive impact with tech companies. But I'm sure in your office, the the, the chatter, the water cooler ch- water cooler chatter is it's probably not ended, right? There's probably more to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a byproduct, especially if you look at Amazon. They mm-hmm. did such huge hiring during the pandemic, right? Because with everyone in isolation and, and quarantine, things like that, there was a huge demand for Amazon delivery, things of that nature. They were required, they expanded their workforce heavily 
um, during yeah. the pandemic and the, the, the heart of the pandemic. And now that, you know, we've kind of this kind of subsided and the world is back to or at least here is back to normal for now, um, that demand just simply isn't there. And as a result, it's, it seems clear to me, at least, that, you know, they hired people to meet a certain demand in a certain moment. And now that it's gone, the employees are gone, too. And, and a, a lot of people are, unfortunately, feeling the repercussions of that. And, uh, you know, obviously, we, we encourage any, anyone who's been let go or thinks they're about to be let go to give our firm a call. And, and would definitely help assist with assessing your entitlements and ensuring your treat is barely. Yeah, guys, again, to reach out to Andrew, if this uh, rings true, if you know someone who might be in that situation shortly, if not already, it's uh, 1-855-821-5900. But termination of employment, setting the record straight, let's get into these points, pal. Number one, your employer can let you go, even if they don't have a good reason. That is a, that's a good place to start, because I know you've said before, Andrew, sometimes the first phone call you get from someone who just got let go is, is, is it's the disbelief, like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong, and they can't let me go. I was, a, I was a stellar employee. I had a wicked track record, all my you know performance reviews were mint and all of a sudden now i'm out of a job how's this how's this possible or legal for that matter right right and and i can't stress enough how many calls i have a year from individuals who make the exact points that you just made to me you know i didn't do anything wrong i was on a performance plan i've never had discipline in fact my performance was great this year and last year so how can they let me go don't they have to have a good reason to let me go yep and, you know, the reality of the situation and what we have to remind uh, our listeners constantly is that employer can let you go even if they don't have, you know, a good reason from the sense that, you know, you didn't do anything wrong per se to justify the termination. But if they make that decision to let you go, there's a price to that decision. And that price is to pay you an adequate severance package, right? So that's kind of why severance exists in the first place is to, you know, balance kind of the rights of employers and employees, where you want to say, look, employer, we're not going to, you know, completely tie your hands in the sense of, you know, deciding who you want to work for you or not work for you. But if you let someone go without a really good reason, um, you have to pay them off in terms of a severance package to give them some money in their pocket to help, you know, the job search process in light of the fact that there really was no good reason for them to be let go in the first place. So that's a couldn't be more common of a question that we get all the time. Yeah, it's that old, you know, you got to get over the fact that you were let go. Chances are, unless, you know, extreme circumstances, we can't get your job back. But now let's look forward to the real question, which is how much they're going to owe you as far as severance is concerned. And we got to welcome uh, George on the line. Hey, George, how are you, pal? Uh, good, thanks. How are you? Good, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, I work for an American company. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was first hired, I, I do computer programming. So when I was first hired, I was doing about 80% uh, programming and was told that, you know, I, I'm going to have to do between 10 and 20% uh, support and installs. Um, now, lately, they've been, they're, they're bringing in a third-party package, and all of a sudden, it's flipped. It's more like 20% programming and 80% support and installs and i'm wondering what what steps i should take uh so that if i if i do want to claim constructive dismissal i can i can do that right and then and that's a great question and just to preface it so for our listeners who don't necessarily know what constructive dismissal is um you, you hit the nail on the head so by changing your role so fundamentally the argument is that 
you don't have to accept necessarily such a fundamental change to your duties. Now, can you force them to give you your old duties back? No, not necessarily. But what you can do, uh, depending on the situation, is say, look, employer, I don't accept these huge changes to my role. This is not what we agreed to when I signed up for this job. And as a result, if you don't, you know, give me the role I had previously back, which we agreed upon, I'm going to treat my employment as being terminated. I'm going to treat that as a dismissal, right? So what you want to do most importantly in that situation is not take on the new roles for too long because an employer could have the argument to say, you know, if you take on the new responsibilities for three, four weeks, longer, what have you, and the employer could maybe make the argument that, well, by continuing to do this new role, it's almost an acceptance of the new role. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that you're not taking on those duties for an extensive period of time. And you also want to make sure you're communicating to the employer, you know, I have an issue with these changes. This is not what we agreed to and put that ideally in writing so that there's a paper trail of it. Now, this is of course, general kind of guidance. And if you have specific concerns and want to understand your specific situation, uh, George, I definitely recommend that you give us a call and get a consultation right away so that you don't waste any time taking on these new duties. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thanks, George. Appreciate it, pal. And we're going to uh, let you go from there, and we're going to take a uh, short break and continue on from there. The Employment Law Show continues. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. You bet. Welcome back. Andrew Goldberg is your guy, employment lawyer, of course, and fewer to mark an LLP. That is where Andrew resides and does all of the good work that he's known for. He can hook you up any time with a member of his team. If you have a question or want to have a conversation off air, one 821 5900 and help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email. Uh, what we are talking about in uh, in between the calls, Andrew, termination of employment, setting the record straight. We talked about the fact that they can let you go for pretty much any reason as long as proper severance is paid. doesn't matter what you do. It may be a bucket of water in the face, but barring any human rights, uh, you know, malfeasance, it's, it's a safe thing for them to do for the most part. Now, you do not have to sign your termination papers or severance offer on the way out the door. A lot of people feel the pressure tactic of, oh man, they're offering me money. They said it's a good offer. They must know they're the employer. If I don't sign this, I'm going to end up with nothing. That is the wrong attitude and the wrong thinking, correct? Yeah, absolutely correct. I mean, I, I've said it time and time again on the show, but my my mentality is, is look, if, if the company is providing a fair offer, then the odds are they're not going to be pressuring you to sign that offer. They believe it to be fair, and they're going to say, look, here's our offer. We think this is very fair. Take a week, look it over, even, hey, go see a lawyer, have review it with them, and then come back to us and let us know what you think. But if you're terminated and you get a severance package and you're in the office and they say, well, you need to sign this before you leave today, you know, flags should go off in your head to say, like, look, why are they pressuring me and trying to coerce me into signing this? I would say that there's probably an issue with it, and the issue is probably they're trying to lowball you and get away with it and, and have you sign under duress. So absolutely, for anyone out there listening, it's always in your best interest to have your package reviewed. And if they give you a day deadline or, or whatever the case might be, ask you to sign it on the spot, it doesn't change what your entitlements are. Your entitlements are your entitlements, so you don't have to worry about it. You should be able to take an adequate amount of time 
to assess the package and determine whether you're going to take it or try to, you know, work with a lawyer to improve the situation. And again, don't hesitate to reach out to Andrew with that uh, with that severance package. You've got time. You've got two years. Actually, nobody takes that long, but you've got a lot of time to uh, dot I's and cross T's for sure. But uh, I want to get to a call from uh, from Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Thank you for taking the time. How are you? Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, we uh, have some supervisors at our work that uh, keep telling us, like a couple of us are friends, and we get together like after work or on a weekend or something. Um, and they keep telling us that we're not allowed to, to do that, that we're not allowed to be friends with coworkers. And this is like not during work. We're talking at, like on our on own weekend, time. whenever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, firstly, it's nice. You like the people you work with. That's a positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank goodness for that. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, look, that I, I, there would have to be some ridiculous justification for that that I can't envision, but who knows? But the overwhelming likelihood is, you know, if they find out, say, for example, they impose this rule and they find out you hung out with your coworker who's a friend on the weekend and they try to discipline you or fire you for that, then then they can make that decision. They could fire you, sure, for being friends, fine, if that's what they want to do, but they'd have to pay you a severance for that. If they try to make out the argument that that's like a disciplinary-worthy, you know, conduct, you seeing your friends, and as a result, you're fired for cause and get no severance, that would be a ridiculous argument. So ultimately, you know, the rule, they can try to put it in place, but if you don't abide by it, they can choose to fire you or not. And if they did, you would be owed a severance, in my opinion, for that, for sure. That's legal, eh? They can dictate who you you associate with after work? Like, well, really? Well, they, the, the, the idea is they like you can be let go. They could just decide, you know, I don't really like this person anymore. I'm going to let them go. They can really let you go for a variety of reasons, right? Like, they could just let you go tomorrow if they wanted, right? So, But the mm-hmm. question isn't about letting you go or not letting you go. The question is, if they let you go, they can't rely on that possibly as real true discipline to say that, oh, we have cause to let this person go. That would just be a without cause termination. That can't possibly justify discipline. But you can't, if they want to let you go on that basis, they can make that decision. It seems to me like a stupid thing to do and it would affect, you know, the kind of workforce that they can retain and attract. But at the end of the day, if that happens at, at all or you're disciplined for it, then, then give us a call and, and, and we could see what we could do to try to, you know, get you out of there with a proper package, right? Right. Okay. And just a quick question, if I can. Um, mm-hmm. The other day, my supervisor wanted to uh, discipline me in front of a customer, um, and she came up to me and poked me on the shoulder pretty hard, like several times to tell me not to do mm-hmm. something. Um, is is she allowed to touch me? Like, she didn't hurt me, but, I mean, she poked me pretty hard, like, to tell me not to do something. Well, it sounds like you have great supervisors where you work. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but is she allowed to do that? or is no, that? no, absolutely not. Like, that would be considered easily a form of harassment. And if, if, if she wants to, you know... If she wants to communicate to you a concern maybe about your dealings with a customer or what have you, 
then number one, that's better suited, probably not in front of the customer where you'd have to be embarrassed or something like that. But number two, there's absolutely no reason for her to poke at you and touch you to get your attention. There's a variety of ways to get your attention that isn't that. So if you have issues like that with your supervisor and that happens, you want to consider documenting that and communicate. If you have an HR department or something of that nature, or or at least to the supervisor's you know, manager, whoever, higher up. Of her, yeah. And say, like, okay. this is the kind of thing that's happened today. That way, it's it's documented and papered, and you have a, a, a track record of it happening, right? Okay. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. For sure. Thank you, Lynn. Appreciate uh, you taking the time and calling in. Any further conversation, you can always have that with uh, with Andrew. And that is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Back to what we were talking about, pal. Termination of employment, setting the record straight. Number three is this: severance is not based on what the employer wants to pay. No kidding, and not based on how profitable the company is. Tied to a, you know mass termination and so on and so forth. Like, ah, we're under a lot of stress, man. We'd give you more, but we can't. That's not that's that's not how it works. Right. And, and, and the reason that this is a great question, I think, in, in terms of uh, what's going on with the mass layoffs is people should know that your entitlements to severance are rooted entirely in your individual circumstances in the sense of, you know, how old are you? Are you an older worker? How long have you been with the company? What type of job do you have? And how hard is it going to be for you to find a new job? If the company is not doing as well as they used to do, that has absolutely zero impact on your severance entitlement. So, for instance, if you're one of 10,000 Amazon people let go, let's say all these people are in Canada, but they're not, but let's just say, for instance, they were, if Amazon were trying to make an argument that, hey, well, we're just doing really badly, look, we let go so many people, therefore we should owe them lesser severance packages, that argument would fail. That has no legs. So that's why I thought it would be pretty fitting to discuss this today. I'm glad, and I'm glad we had a chance to do so because mm-hmm. you shouldn't feel that if you're part of a mass layoff and the company is, you know, not doing as well as they did in 2020 or whatever, that your entitlement should be impacted by that. And I think along the same lines, which I think we talked about before, is if, you know, mass layoff or even four or five people in, in your department all, all get let go at the same time, you're like, hey, but, you know, Jim and... Sally got they got more than I did. Why? We all work at the same place. We're all, you know, man, not managers, but salespeople or whatever stuff. It, it's so, it, severance is bespoke to the individual, right? There's so many factors that guarantee that you, if you and I worked in the same place, got let go at the same time, our severance packages would not be identical, would they? No, obviously I would get a lot more. Ah. Um, <laughs> no, but you're, 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 you're right. It, it, it's, all, it's about the individual and the individual circumstances, right? And by working in the same place in the same role, it, it necessitates that some of the circumstances will be the same, right? If, mm-hmm. if part of assessing severance is what position did you hold? Was it a managerial position? Was it niche and specialized? If you and I have the same job, then that criteria will be common between us, and that could impact our severance equally. But if if one of us is older than the other and one of us has been with the company longer than the other, then those factors will lead to a bit of a higher severance than the other individual um, because it's all about the individual circumstances. Right, right. We're talking about termination of employment, setting the record straight. We're clearing up things that you may not know about or have be a little foggy on, right? Uh, your employer can't fire you simply because they, well, they don't want to accommodate your disability or return to work, right? Right. And uh, I mean, that's just, I mean, that should be, I hope, clear to most employers out there. But if you uh, have a disability or you have medical issues that require, or even maybe family care obligations 
could be for religious reasons that you require accommodation, um, an employer can't just simply say, ah, well, it's easier to not accommodate them and we want them to be doing the exact job that they're doing in the exact time frames and what have you. So we're just going to let them go. That would be a, a clear-cut example of discrimination and contravenes the human rights legislation. So not only would you be entitled to severance, but you would also be entitled to human rights damages as well, which could you know, drastically increase your entitlement. So by no stretch of the imagination can an employer you know, uh, get, get around their obligations to accommodate just by trying to fire you. They, they cannot do that. And this last one, point number five on this particular topic of setting the record straight about termination, this is the one that this is actually the main genesis for the show starting up 10 years ago, and that's people running to the wrong place when they have issues with their severance. And that is they go right to the Ministry of Labor. That is the last door you should be knocking on, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it definitely should never be the first. Let's yeah. put it that way, because the Ministry of Labor is limited and what they're able to do for you in the sense of pursuing your entitlements. And if you pursue your severance entitlements with the Ministry of Labor, they can only get you a fraction of what is your full entitlement. In order to get to your full entitlement, you'd have to see a lawyer and go through the process that way. But the Ministry of Labor cannot pursue your full amount. And if you go to the Ministry of Labor, so some people might be thinking, okay, well, what if I go to the Ministry of Labor, get my you know minimum amount, like the, the lesser amount, and then later I'll go to a lawyer and try to get the rest. But if you go to the Ministry of Labor first and you get the minimum amount with them, that would preclude you, that would prevent you from then seeing a lawyer. You cannot pursue that case any further. So you could be leaving tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, on the table by making that decision. Let's get into an email with the remaining a minute here. I'll give you a quick one, pal. Manish says, I worked for the same place for four years. They suddenly want me to sign an agreement out of the blue. I never signed any paperwork when I started. I've heard rumors that others in a similar situation at the company have been let go just a few days after signing off. Am I allowed to refuse, Andrew? Right. And, and that's a great question. Um, and it actually flows with a lot of the discussion we've had so far on the show, mm -hmm. dealing with the fact that, look, you at the end of the day, you could be terminated, as we discussed, without kind of a good reason, as, as we've said, right? And if a, an employer gives you a contract, and the overwhelming likelihood is that contract will have provisions in it that are hurtful to you as an employee. And that could be things that try to limit your severance, give them the right to change your duties and hours and responsibilities. And as a result, you definitely don't want to sign that contract if you're worried about being let go three days later, four days right. later, especially if it means you're signing off your severance entitlements only to get fired so they can give you less severance. If you mm -hmm. don't sign it and they fire you for not signing it, that's not cause for dismissal. That's not a good reason to let someone go in the sense that an employer can't say, look, we don't owe you any severance because you should have signed that contract. How dare you not sign that contract? You have yep. every right not to sign a new contract. It's an agreement between the parties. If you don't want to sign up to a new agreement, by no means do you have to, but it's not going to necessarily prevent the employer from letting you go. And with that, we are done. In the meantime, reaching Andrew, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca, Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.